Hello, hello everyone, and welcome back to yet another episode of Kingsway to Highway. I hope everyone has had a relatively good day or start to the day if you listen to this in the morning. I know I personally listen to podcasts on my morning commute, but I'm always recording at night, so I always assume that it's nighttime for you guys as well. Anyway, on the topic of today's episode, I'll be talking to another MacRob alum based overseas, this time in the UK at the University of Cambridge. Please keep on listening to find out more. Anna Anosovic, upon graduating MacRob, had the opportunity to study a BA in linguistics at the University of Cambridge. Now, she is a communication consultant at Bright Carbon and sat down to chat with me about her process of applying to study in the UK, her experiences of being an international student in the middle of a pandemic, and how you miss 100% of the shots you don't take. Now, as always, our disclaimer, our episodes aren't here to tell you what to do or what not to do. This is just uh, Anna speaking off of her experiences, which may or may not apply in the same way to you. So, without further ado, let's get on with the interview. Hey everyone, so I have Anna today here on the episode, so thank you so much for joining me, Anna. Um, Would you like to introduce yourself for the people listening? For sure. Um, My name's Anna. I went to Macrob and graduated in 2017. Then I moved to Cambridge to do an undergrad in linguistics. Um, I matriculated, matriculated in 2018, graduated in 2021 which was last year in the summer. And um, I've been working as a communication consultant ever since in London city. So cool. So cool. Are you like, I asked this to everybody who's like studying abroad. Are you a cold weather person? No, that was like the one thing that I was scared of. Yeah. um, The winters here are actually, in my opinion, they're pretty mild. They're just long. Okay. Yeah. Cause Australia is crazy. Like we, it's so cold, but I thought London was worse. That's what I say. Everyone's like, oh, don't you like miss the hot weather? And I'm like, Melbourne winters are horrific. And it's like very, um, it's like high highs and low lows. Whereas yeah. here it's kind of like, it drops yeah. a couple of degrees and then, you know. Oh, so that's like such a stereotype. Okay, well, we've eliminated Honestly. that stereotype today. So yeah. yeah, it's like the actual, the sea affects it a lot because the Atlantic brings over all of these like high pressure systems and it makes it like humid, which makes it so much more bearable. Whereas mm-hmm. if you go down to like, I don't know, like France, Germany, yeah. they'll have like, snow so yeah. it's because it's got that weird geography so like <laughs> yeah, that's, that's wow. yeah for the interview <laughs> yeah that's actually yeah you're, yeah yeah that's one thing I wanted to ask about because I was like huh that's actually because I'm like I would never study in London because of the cold so maybe yeah. now maybe now I'm um, sorry this might be a dumb question but what does matriculated mean oh it's like the opposite of graduating no it's not the opposite of graduating it's <laughs> like, what dropping out (laughs) no no it's the start of the degree um okay because I don't know why it's it's a thing here specifically but um you don't say when you say class of something like I would be class of 2018 because they do it from matriculation instead of graduation because um for example if you stayed on for an extra year uh you have a four-year degree mine was three years um then you would have different graduation years, but yeah. they want you to like be associated with your cohort. So you kind of associate with the people you came in with yeah. instead of the people who you finished with. So yeah. that's why they kind of, your identity in the university is 
done by matriculation year. Ah, okay. All right. That's actually pretty interesting. It's one difference, I guess, from here and there. Um, yeah. Yeah. So how, did, how and when did you decide that you didn't want to study in Australia or Melbourne? Like, how did you decide that you wanted to go interstate? Oh, not internationally. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's a good question because I feel like it's not, it's not like the norm. So it definitely, um, I think there was a bit of, um, like I was thinking about my options and um, I knew I wanted to study linguistics um, in higher education and the programs at um, Melbourne, which was kind of had the reputation for being like the most academically rigorous place to go. Um, just didn't really interest me because it was you know like the Melbourne model I thought was a bit you know bullshit and then I was doing university extension at Melbourne at the time and so I was I saw the environment that I would be going into and I was like "Mm, I just don't think these people care enough about linguistics (laughs) as I do (laughs) I thought I might like aim for somewhere that you know maybe has a bit more of like a um, targeted environment Mm. Um, and so then I just did like literally I don't know 10 minutes of research online and I was like "Mm, I think the UK would be a nice place to live Um, I didn't want to go to the US so I didn't even bother with those (laughs) and then I think I chose Cambridge on like a coin flip because it's like pretty much the same as Oxford Mm -hmm. and I just thought I'll put in an application and like see what happens but I wasn't really I had no functional plans um I had not even really thought about it I still thought that Cambridge was in London (laughs) (laughs) very embarrassing facts about that part of my journey um and then kind of bit by bit like the first stage was successful and then the second stage was successful and then next thing you know I actually had like an acceptance letter and then I had to think about like the like realistically how to go and like what how to make it happen from there (laughs) wow so did you like ask did you so you said that you researched but I'm sure you maybe like asked somebody maybe our counselor or did you have any other support system or resources that you looked at um honestly no because like I said I wasn't realistically (laughs) like appreciating the fact that I could actually go until after the interview or like not even because after the interview was exam season so I was focusing on exams um but it was yeah when the actual um successful application letter came then I started thinking about you know how it was all going to work and by that point I had already graduated so I was like well yeah like so what so you talked about an interview and the different stages so what are the what is the process of applying for Cambridge like obviously you can't speak for like all degrees and all universities in London but in your yeah. <laughs> yeah um I think uh I know, I know Oxbridge is a little bit different to uh like the other like UCL or whatever um mm-hmm. I actually don't even remember if there was like anything in between the kind of primary like there's obviously the stuff where you send off a bunch of like documents um and I think that was uh maybe halfway through year 12 Mm -hmm. or like three quarters of the way making its way through there um and then uh that's like when you have to go talk to your teachers for predicted grades and like go source all of that stuff so it's a little bit of work but um that's kind of all online and you just like send that off and like hope for the best oh and you have to write the whole like personal letter and stuff yeah 
Uh, and then after that, I think they invite you to interview. That's the next big step. Um, and they no longer conduct interviews in Australia. So you have to go to Singapore, which is a nice little trip to do during SWAT vac. Yeah. And when you're in Singapore, you um, have your interview and then you also sit the like, oh, I forgot what it's called, um, like aptitude test where oh, okay. they give you like a bunch of problems from essentially like from the course and they just see like how you deal with them. Um, so it's really interesting because it's not like, it's not psychometric testing and it's very subject specific. So it's not like, like it's literally things that I look back on now and I'm like, oh, I remember learning about that ah, in like second year. Yeah. So they don't expect you to get it right, but they expect some like application of the knowledge that you've demonstrated in your like application. Yeah. Um, and then also just kind of good, good practice essentially. Mm-hmm. Just like typical, yeah. you know, be good at school. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And then that's, and then the application, um, the, uh, the acceptance letter. Yeah. Is that the next step? Uh, and then uh, you have to get your ATAR yeah. and send that off. And then, oh, sorry. <laughs> I actually don't, there's a couple of pools. So there's two like stages where they go through applications. And um, I remember they were like, they, like, we can't really, we would prefer to have your, uh, actual grades not your predicted right. grade and I was like I can give them to you in December mm-hmm. and they were like all right great do that ASAP and um, we'll go from there gotcha. and I think I got it in like January or late January something like that yeah interesting because I was going to ask like because you talked about predicted grades like whether they base it on that or your actual ATAR um, yeah interesting interesting um, yeah I think because of the timing the timing is really important yeah. for Australia because of how the school year lines up mm-hmm. um, whereas in the UK um, they do like almost everything off predicted grades, which is crazy to me. Oh, wow. They also have the secondary system of um, if your predicted grades, if your overall application isn't uh, good enough, they'll have a conditional offer. So mm-hmm. they're like, okay, your predicted grades are good, but you need to actually get them in order to make your offer. Um, or if you have a, like an excellent application all around, um, they'll just say, okay, your predicted grades are like good. Um, yeah, it's really interesting to hear. Um, I guess we can move on to like moving out and the process of actually moving to a different country. How was that? Like, it's such, it's not just like, oh, I'm moving into state. It's a big move. But yeah, it was that, wild. Yeah. Um, I think what like gave me a little bit of, um, <clears throat> put me to ease a little bit was the fact that like there are so many international students at Cambridge. So at least it like wasn't just me having to go through everything the kind of formal stuff that you have to go through is I mean it's annoying and the visa is really expensive Mm. but like I don't know you can like you can make your way through it if you believe in yourself (laughs) once you kind of get there it's quite easy to like find a support system to help you figure stuff out like on the fly I don't I it's probably a bajillion times harder now in COVID times um but I think having the support of like my parents who also immigrated at a relatively young age, oh. they kind of could kind of help yeah. me with multi-currency cards and 
Um, they didn't actually come with me when I first yeah. moved. I was like, oh, did they come with you? Like, that's so amazing. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, I wish. I landed by myself and then I stayed at a family friend's place for a couple of days while mm-hmm. I like opened a bank account. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I moved up to Cambridge, like got on a train. I'd never been there before. I'd never been to the UK before. Yeah. Um, and I got off the train and I realized that I couldn't actually walk to my college. I had to like get a bus because it was on the north side. Yeah. Uh, I didn't have any cash. So I got on the bus and I was like, can I pay my card, please? I don't have any <laughs> in cash yet I just got here and he was like no and I was like I have three suitcases with me what do you want me to do and then the girl behind me paid for my ticket so oh how nice yeah it was a great day yeah I was gonna say wow like on your way to your like uni as well for the first time like can you imagine yeah crazy Um, stay on campus is that how it works we Oxbridge doesn't really have like campuses it's mm-hmm. um what's called a collegiate system so mm-hmm. there's no uh there's not really a semblance of a central university or like there is but it's it's like one administrative building like uh-huh. in the central um yeah. and you have the university is mainly made up of um the colleges where that is where like the students are if that makes sense so the majority of people will live in the colleges. Um, you don't have to, um, especially like postgraduates tend to find more like stable housing, but they kind of take care of you. Um, just like do all the admin for you, look after you, give you like the like contacts to like, you know, um, your like JCR offices or kind of all that stuff that you would typically expect from uni is actually administered by the college. Mm. Um and obviously I lived there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The other half of the university is the like departments. So you would have like, um, I was on Sidgwick site a, a lot, for example. And so on Sidgwick, you would have like uh, the MML department, um, the English department, um, what else? Like classics, like a bunch of stuff. And then you would right. have like, um, that would be like the physics lab would be like across the city. And then in the center of town was like downing site where a lot of the like science, like zoology and, um, pharmacology buildings are first of all, it's a university town. So like mm, right. the main population or like a significant proportion of the population in Cambridge is, uh, a student or is like affiliated with the university in some form. Yeah. Um, and then it's also that like, the city is like dotted with pieces of the university of cambridge whether that's a college or like yeah like a department or something like that yeah interesting interesting yeah so it's a completely different system to how you would have it in like bigger cities yeah. <laughs> and oh. i think that might be like the historical factors that go into that as well yeah oh that's interesting so like basically you're almost surrounded by everyone well not everyone but most people going to the university itself right yeah, during term time, it's very it's very clear when it's term time and when it's not. Everyone's <laughs> stressed. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Ah. Yeah, so I was also wondering now, obviously, you I think you were studying at uni whilst COVID was going on. So did you actually uh, stay in England or did you go home? Like, how was, what did you do? I got sent home because they oh. were really trying to, like, clear out as much of college as possible they were quite forceful about it because I think they were just trying to reduce like liability we have like a trimester system so the middle term finished Mm -hmm. and then we were about to go into the final term um 
and that's when like the lockdowns hit mm-hmm. and I kind of said that you know I don't really like live at home anymore um yeah. like this is kind of where I reside like that's my address that I put on everything yeah um, and then they offered me some money for the flights and I was like okay I'll oh, do it. it's okay then <laughs> yeah, if, yeah if you if you insist um <laughs> yeah yeah so I went home for the last uh the Easter term of 2020 which was April to June mm-hmm. and then I came back for my final year and I stayed in college for the entirety of the year and the only part where I think people weren't in college was Lent term so the middle term I think people were sent home for a bit mm. uh, but it was much less drastic than the previous time around it was like because people understood that like it's not an ideal situation to be right. so like, disconnected from um, the university from the college and like from your department yeah um so a lot of people were more like forceful about staying and yeah they put less pressure on people to leave yeah so even when you were on uh campus itself like were classes just running as usual like everything was like normal like uh, no of- everything was online, online yeah. I think they were trying to have some kind of like maximize face-to-face time um so I remember having like kind of uh we would plan ahead and we was like okay the next two supervisions have to be online but I think the supervision in a month's time we could do in real you know in person um and then either things got worse or like somebody oh yeah my supervision partner got COVID for like two weeks so we couldn't actually do it yeah so they were trying their best to like do some stuff um especially because we have tiny supervision groups but it was just like it was tricky because um cases in the UK were insane yeah yeah I remember um because I had a friend going on exchange um in like in 2020 so when COVID started and basically she was um at Godstow so um Chelsea if you're listening but she was at Godstow <laughs> and essentially um yeah she was stuck there and she couldn't really do what she was supposed to be doing so like it was she was just hanging there with um I guess like six of them uh yeah and it was a good time for them because they were just like by themselves just chilling but um yeah, yeah. It's I, I, everyone, depending on your the needs of your department so like mm-hmm. people who do a lot of lab work got right. um they were way more lenient with like allowing them to be in in inside spaces whereas humanities just like, <laughs> like last resort. yeah wow. i'm here yeah so your whole final year was like that or pretty much yeah like i spent probably 90 oh. percent of it in my college room that sucks because it was the final year right yeah i think it was I wasn't that fussed about like not seeing my course mates, but like not <laughs> being able to hang out in like my own yeah. house with my friends was yeah. really annoying because you have like college policing you and what you can do, even okay. though that's like your residence. Right. Um, so that was really frustrating. Yeah. There was a lot of like controversy about how things were handled, but mm-hmm. I won't get into that. <laughs> <laughs> that's for another episode. <laughs> yeah, that's um, an entire episode myself. <laughs> Honestly, yeah, it's something that can be talked about, like the inconsistencies and with how COVID dealt with is a whole other issue. But um, yeah, yeah. so another thing is, how is the club environment there? Like, I don't mean like party club, I mean like uni club, like activities, extracurriculars, like how are they run there? Uh, It's difficult for me to say just because um, when I I was only 
um, at the Uni of Melbourne for one class. So mm -hmm. that didn't really like make me eligible to participate in any kind of like university clubs. Right. So I don't have a point of comparison, unfortunately. Mm. Yeah. But um, I would say that they're a pretty big part of it's it's kind of a large factor of how people build their social lives, mm. which I assume is kind of the same in a lot of places. Um, yeah. Just kind of an easy way to find people with similar interests and similar lifestyles. So that's how you kind of make some of your best friends as you go through. Yeah. Um, I'd imagine that, like you were saying, it's probably easy to make friends there. Because I was first thinking like, oh, moving internationally, like it can be hard because obviously even now, like the reason why I have the connections that I do is because of like people that I had around me. So I'd be like friends and then friends of friends and it's kind of like that. But when you're moving to someone new, like did you know anyone that moved from Australia as well or were you the only Australian? Uh, no, there were a couple of other Australians. I think there were th maybe three people in my year from Melbourne, maybe oh, okay. four. Yeah. Uh, and then there are a lot, you meet a lot of people who are like, oh yeah, like I lived in Australia for a couple of years when I was a kid. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> okay, 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 you're kind of Australian. Like, yeah, like you get a little bit of credit, but like not really. Yeah. Um, no, there was uh, really only one person who I actually kind of met beforehand mm -hmm. because I think I was asking around like, oh, guys, does anybody, you know, we had just gotten all of our offers and stuff and I was like, is right. anybody going to England? Does anybody, yeah. you know, anybody <laughs> share this experience with me? Yeah. Um, and I heard from a friend who heard from a friend that um, a guy from Melbourne Grammar was going. And I was like, ah, well, no way, across the road. Yeah. Yeah, so I got in touch with him. Um, his name was Rich Bartlett. And we just, like, yeah, caught up and talked about what we were, like, planning to do and stuff. Yeah. Um, and it was funny because we, like, hung out in Melbourne. And then once we got to Cambridge, like, never saw each other again. <laughs> <laughs> like, well, um, now, but, yeah. Come on, you have to come back. Like, what's going on, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, it was actually, I don't know if um, people are listening to this. Uh, mm. You might have seen a video of um, an assembly at Melbourne Grammar where uh, somebody gave a speech and then they came out in the speech and then they got, like, a standing ovation and it was, like, crazy. It was, like, a viral video on Facebook, like, four mm. years ago. Um that was Rich Bartlett. No way. So, I know. I was like, that's pretty crazy. That's crazy. Kind of like a Beanock in, wow. in our generation of uh, <laughs> people who went to high school in St Kilda. Yeah. Wow. I'm going to search him up like, after this. I'll, I'll search him up. But yeah. I think since then, maybe uh, thanks to him, I think it's uh, like a lot more, like everyone's a bit more open about like diversity issues and yeah. Um, yeah, for sure. Props to him. Yeah. Shout out, Rick Bartlett. <laughs> Shout, out. Shout out here right now. Um, yeah. Yeah, like, I think just, like, closing up, I guess. So how did you uh, find where you're working right now? Like, how did you decide what you wanted to do? So I know you were talking about the fact that you always want to do linguistics, but how did you decide that you wanted to go into communications? Like, what? I know, I know it's, like, kind of like, oh, yeah, the same. But, like, yeah, what was the thought process behind it? I'm sure there are many, many avenues you could have taken so why did you take this one yeah I mean yeah when you go into a MML degree it's something that you either go into your super specific niche field and like or keep doing academia or you essentially just like like quote unquote sell out mm. which I hate that that's the way that it's called yeah but like 
I don't know. I think going corporate has like a really bad association and it doesn't necessarily need to have that because mm. like, I don't know, a lot of people go into stuff that they love and um, we wouldn't like necessarily classify as, you know, horrendously capitalist. Yeah. But um, I obviously went into like a normal like industry. I didn't go on to do like speech therapy or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um because I initially was applying for consulting schemes because it's just like an easy, like a very broad path to take. A lot of people take it. Um, and because in consulting you go through and like uh, you get to look into a lot of industries, I just mm-hmm. thought that that would be a good way to um, like get a, get a taste of like what's out there and kind of, you know, sell my soul for a couple of years, you know. <laughs> work yeah. those 60 hour weeks yeah make some bank um yeah. get my parents back the tuition <laughs> and yeah. then kind of figure it out from there um but then I was on the uh like internal Cambridge careers site mm-hmm. and I saw another listing which was listed as communication consultant and it wasn't your it really isn't consulting in the way that you would think of it like it's not business analytics um mm-hmm. but the way that the like advert was written it's like do you do this are you like this and it just <laughs> hit every point yeah um, and after that I was like yeah okay this is me so I'll apply uh and it was a really great company um so I had like a really good like interview experience and I was like yeah I think this is an excellent and they were willing to sponsor me <laughs> which oh, was kind of critical yeah. so everything yeah. just fell into place that's really good to hear I think um Obviously, I'm still studying as well, but like entering the like job world just terrifies me. I'm like, thank God I have like two more years left. <laughs> so I'm like, yeah. I don't have to face that. I mean, I am working now, but yeah. I mean, it's always interesting to hear how people got their jobs and how they hear about it and things like that. And it's pretty cool that you found something that kind of aligns with your skills and what you like. So, yeah. I feel like I'm lucky in that respect because I have a lot of friends who are in those type of grad schemes now and it yeah just doesn't sound like a good time and um like they openly talk about like putting in the time now so they can get the experience have it on their cvs and then yeah find an exit opportunity that works for them yeah um which i guess is like it's smart long-term thinking but Mm. i'm very impatient and i know that if i was like forced into one of those programs where you like get an aca i would just be sick of it by now (laughs) so um that was that was lucky (laughs) that i didn't get sucked in (laughs) That's true. I mean, you're definitely lucky in that regard for sure. For sure. Um, yeah, I guess like wrapping up, do you have like anything that you wish you knew moving to England and like studying there or like any last piece of advice for anyone wanting to follow in your footsteps? Follow oh. you to Cambridge. <laughs> um, I think <laughs> if, if you can afford to put, put in the application because like, like I almost put in the application as a joke because <laughs> I was more of like a you miss 100% of the shots you don't take kind of mm. vibe um, and it, yeah, like changed the direction of my life dramatically. So yeah. I know it seems like such a far-fetched kind of idea when we've like grown up in the same place and gone through the same system for like so many years. Um, but like, yeah, it, it won't hurt to like you'll waste a couple of hours doing the admin um and like a solid 200 bucks for the fee but 
I think that's a shot worth taking if it pays off. And then, like, obviously, I wish I knew about COVID. <laughs> Doesn't everyone? Doesn't everyone? I know. Do you think you? Yeah. Do you think it would have changed like what you wanted to do, like, or how you would have, you know? I think I would have gotten an internship, and then I would have ah. gotten either like more informed or, mm. um, or like I don't know, or maybe I wouldn't have gotten an internship, and then I would have been like, oh, shit, now I'm unemployable because I don't have an internship. <laughs> But yeah. I did, I, I messaged my company um, for that summer asking for an internship and they were like, we don't do internships. So I wouldn't have been able to like, yeah, find out that um, that was a really good opportunity for me anyway. So mm-hmm. who knows, maybe I'd be at like McCain right now. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, yeah, thank you. I think that's all for today. Like, thank you so much. I think you definitely had some words of wisdom. That last thing definitely hits me oh missing 100% of the shots you don't take Mm, yeah I think it's very macabre to be like I don't want to do something that Mm. has a low chance of success yeah because we're so afraid of failure that's why like it's such a thing like even I for a long time like it's such a thing to be afraid of failure so um, yeah mm. like we've just been conditioned like that which Mm. is unfortunate um yeah I don't know I think it's just the fact that there's so like a low visibility of people who take those paths as well, which is why I'm really glad that you're like taking this project on and and making media that is um, easily accessible and has a lot of like firsthand information. Um, And I assume like you'll kind of like, feel free to put my contact details out there. I was going to (laughs) ask. Yeah. Yeah. Like I'm always super happy to talk to people. Um, Mm -hmm. But now I feel like I'm so many years removed that I no longer have, you know, that, that like one year nine friend that I had mm-hmm. is now graduated. So like, that's it. I don't know yeah. anyone at McCrobe anymore, which is crazy. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I think it's very easy to be like embroiled in the McCrobe to uni of Melbourne or Monash pipeline. Mm-hmm. Um, but I find that moving to a new city and being forced to experience independence is a really, really good idea. And it really jumpstarts kind of like just becoming a person Hmm. yeah like in Melbourne you (laughs) like realistically it's just financially terrible to move out um so if you go anywhere you'll like have a massive commute and you'll live at home and um like it makes sense on paper but it's just not like an experience that I wanted to have um so instead I'm here (laughs) Here I am. Yeah, here I am. Yeah. Come visit me. <laughs> <laughs> come visit me here. That's what everyone's yeah. saying. Like, everyone's like, please come. <laughs> please follow. Yeah, exactly. Sorry. We don't have any restrictions, so. Well, thank you for coming on today, and we'll end the interview there. Thank you so much, Anna, for sitting down with me and sharing your experience and wisdom with our listeners. I know that the phrase, you miss 100% of the shots you don't take, is definitely going to resonate with me and I know will resonate with a lot of our viewers, so thank you. Now, before we head off, of course we need our spicy question of the day. For those who don't know, a spicy question is a question asked by you guys and is answered anonymously. And today's spicy question is, how to become closer with friends in high school? And our anonymous answer. One thing about being a McGrub is that As you would know, there is definitely a little bit of competition, academically speaking. 
So our priorities can be quite different. One thing you can do is always find other common grounds of interest where you're not just trauma bonding over sax course and upcoming BC exams. I can guarantee that once you leave high school, these high school relationships and friendships become much deeper as you mature and start discovering the world and thus yourself much more. Okay, guys, and that's all we have for today. Again, thank you so much to Anna for being an awesome guest and thank you so much to you for listening and supporting us. This is Sonali and you're listening to Kingsway to Highway. Until next time.